everyone, and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we talk about strange things that have happened in history. I'm Amelia Edwards, and with me is my co-host, Barnaby King. Hello to you, everyone. Hello, Barnaby. Hello. And hello, everyone. And hello, everyone, from me as well. And hello to you, Amelia. <laughs> and hello. Okay, let's stop that now. And hello to Jason Isaacs. <laughs> oh, we can't steal from radio no, presenters I as know, well. I know, I <laughs> know. Um, okay, so today I've been thinking about Republicans. Mm-hmm. In terms of Americans or in terms of just people who want to abolish the monarchy? In terms of Americans. Okay. Basically, I've been a bit fed up with this whole nonsense with Trump refusing to leave the White House and everyone assuming that everything is Biden's fault, despite the fact he's not actually in power yet. Yeah. And whatever fresh nonsense is However, going on. there are some really quite funny... Uh, results of this go on i mean there's a lot of people and i do agree with them who would quite like to see trump basically forcibly evicted uh, mm-hmm. as a trespasser mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes around and biden is actually you know coming into power um there was also that woman who gave testimony and sounded completely off her face drunk oh my gosh she did didn't she she, I, I, she I, sat she just sounded like someone pretending to be drunk which was yeah. the weird part of it yeah, so I played you like a two-minute clip yeah. of it. I listened to the whole half an hour oh testimony. Oh my god! Okay, and it was fascinating. Like I, I didn't want to put it down. I actually listened <laughs> to more. There was still like a four and a half hour video of uh, the whole proceeding. I didn't listen to the whole thing, mm-hmm. but I listened to like two or three more testimonies just wow. because I was like. This is fascinating. I was waiting for the like someone to outdo her. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't. But mm-hmm. also, that was some interesting stuff. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, should we talk about another fascinating Republican? Yeah, sure. But one from the beginning of the Republican Party in America. Mm, the Lincoln era. Absolutely. Of um, the just pre to the Civil War era okay. Republicans. Right. And I want to talk about one who had the amazing name of Cassius Marcellus Clay. He was a time traveller from ancient Rome who came forward because he heard that there was a Senate <laughs> in uh, in America and was like, yes, that is my jam. Well, the thing is, I want you to say his name and I want you to say his name like the way that Daniel Craig says everything in Knives Out. <laughs> okay, what was his name again? Cassius Marcellus Clay. Okay, now, Daniel Craig in Knives Out does a sort of southern accent but sounds like he's chewing every word. Mm-hmm. So he's got a sort of, I'm, uh, my name is Daniel Craig and this is my good friend, Cassius Marcellus Clay. That's it. And that's how <laughs> I want you to imagine his name every time we say it. <laughs> okay. Because he was from Kentucky. Ah. So you're saying we're talking about Cassius Marcellus Clay. We are talking about Cassius Marcellus Clay with our... No, no, you need to eat Ca- it more. Cassius Marcellus Clay. Yeah, that's with, better. With our terrible Kentucky accents. Okay. <laughs> I love Knives Out. It's such oh, a good it's film. it's so good. And it's, it's just made all the better by Daniel Craig's absurd accent. <laughs> he was also known as the Lion of Whitehall. Oh my god, that's great. Isn't it? Wait, Whitehall? Not like Whitehall. <laughs> I was going to say, that's London. <laughs> he he was born the son of a Kentucky planter in 1810, and his father owned, like, his father's plantation was called Whitehall. Right, I see. 
Um, so not Whitehall, although mm. the Lion of Whitehall would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, versus Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he was the son Father, of- <laughs> I must travel to London and do battle with my greatest foe. The reason he's called the Lion of Whitehall yeah. is because he may be the American who engaged in the most duels ever. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, people can't be sure, mm. but he's definitely a contender. Right. Okay. Um, so I want to talk about him because he was a slave owner. Yes. I he mean, was... as soon as you said plantation and pre-Civil War, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I know what's happening here. Ah, but he's also a member of the Republican Party. And can you remember what the Republicans really wanted at the time of the Civil War? Well, considering that it was Lincoln who founded it, mm-hmm. and we all know about him, how he absolutely loved slaves oh, yes. and wanted to keep as many as possible. <laughs> so I'm going to go with he wanted more. Uh, as you know, and as you're being <laughs> facetious... Um, the how opposite... dare you, madam? I am Cassius Marcellus Clay, I am never facetious in my life, and yet for some reason people take offence to me and constantly ask me to duel them. (laughs) Okay, so Cassius Marcellus Clay uh, was a slave owner, but he also then became an abolitionist. Ah, right. In Kentucky. Ah, yeah. Hence the duels. Oh, I see. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) Well, also, he had duels for other reasons. I was was just thinking, it's like, he's just like, I believe that no man should be a slave. And then someone else comes up and is like, Cassius, you own slaves. How dare you? (laughs) Pistols at dawn. Okay, so I'm going to talk you through him. I'm not going to talk about all his life in this episode, just Mm -hmm. because he did so much We've got quite a few episodes where we say pretty much the same thing, yeah. but yes. We really have to leave it out. So <laughs> I am going to focus on him being an abolitionist yeah. and being a dualist nice. today. Okay, cool. Um, but sort of to add in, in addition to this, he also was um, an ambassador to Russia, like partway oh, wow. through. Um which is quite cool. And he may have fathered an illegitimate child with a ballerina. Um, well, who hasn't done that? <laughs> I mean, there's scores of ballerinas and you've just got to take your pick. Oh, God, that's gross. Oh, no. Um, so ignoring that completely. Ignoring that completely. <laughs> so what year was this? So he was born in 1810. Okay. And when he was... Uh, like he went to two different universities. He yeah. went to Transylvania University. Oh my god! In Lexington, Kentucky. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he also went to Yale. Okay, right. Um, okay, so. I am a vampire. <laughs> I hope you understand this about Cassius Marcellus Clay. I ran out of breath doing that. <laughs> While he was at Yale, he heard the abolitionist William Lloyd Garrison speak, Mm -hmm. and he felt that the arguments of William Lloyd Garrison were as water is to a thirsty wayfarer. Oh. Nice. Um, So he himself started to become an abolitionist. Mm. But he was a bit different to Garrison because he believed in a sort of slow abolition process. Right, yeah. Um, Basically, I suspect from being a Kentucky plantation owner and knowing a lot of other Kentucky plantation owners, he could see that there would be a lot of trouble if you tried to incite people to give up their slaves all in one go. Yeah, and I I do kind of get that like Mm. obviously morally it's not really defensible because you know you shouldn't have slaves yeah but 
I I get it if you are like a business owner of the time kind of seeing how this is going to have a complete shift to social mm-hmm. order and the economy mm-hmm. and yeah I I, I get yeah. that I it like cause, to say it would cause a lot of problems for your economy if you suddenly just did a switch yeah but like I say it's also not really morally defensible no it's not um but he's kind of interesting so while he was a very strong abolitionist mm-hmm. he seems to have been an abolitionist in order to help out white people. Like, it seems like he really couldn't care about the slaves. Okay. So he felt that um, being a slave-owning state was holding Kentucky back economically. Okay. Um, And also, specifically, the poor. Because if you have so much free save labor then it's going to mean that um, poor people can't charge very much for their own services that makes a lot of sense actually Mm. wow what a I I don't know what to make of this guy right now no because it's kind of like he was an abolitionist okay yeah cool yeah he was an abolitionist just because he wanted to help white people it's like well Mm. at least you are an abolitionist (laughs) I guess it's like when it's like those people who do tweet all lives matter but are also like I'm not racist. I yeah. do understand that there are problems, but I want to say this. It's like mm. okay, in defense of him, <laughs> like later on in his life when he inherited all of his father's slaves, yeah. um he did free somewhere between a lot of them and all of them. I couldn't be entirely certain from um, like different sources. Okay, fair enough. But basically, it was a lot of forty thousand dollars to himself. Oh, okay. Um, which is over one million dollars today. Jeez. And he also allowed any of his ex-slaves who wanted to have a job hmm. on his plantation to immediately have a job on his plantation. You there? You will be in charge of disposing of all the corpses from the people <laughs> I have jeweled. Yeah. So let's get on to his. They've jewels. been piling up and they're stinking to high heaven. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready to get I'm started? I'm quite excited. Okay. In 1833, so he was 23 at the time, mm-hmm. he was studying law at Transylvania University. <laughs> I know, right? I love it so much. And his neighbor, Count Dracula, was so loud <laughs> and he couldn't stand it anymore. And he said, pistols at dawn. And Count Dracula said, well, that will be a problem because I will turn to ash in the sunlight. That's how Cassius Marcellus Clay won his first duel by technical disintegration. <laughs> I'm so into the idea that everyone at Transylvania University is Dracula. Like, except Cassius. Except, except Cassius Marcellus Clay, because he's, you know, so cool that he doesn't really mind everyone else being a vampire. Yeah. He's not at all afraid of this. No. Well, of course not. He'll just duel them. No, no. Say pistols at dawn, they'll turn up and get destroyed by the sunlight. Okay, so uh, he was studying university. He was studying law, yeah, and he was also wooing a woman called Mary Jane Warfield. Hello, who, Miss Warfield. Who was going to become his first wife? Are you a mad fine lady? <laughs> and during their courtship, a former tutor of hers, Doctor John <laughs> DeClary, sent her a letter containing numerous accusations against Clay. <gasps> oh no! So he said, "Pistols at dawn." <laughs> Uh, almost. Um, okay. He he immediately found Declary yeah, and beat him with inch and, within an inch of his life with a hickory stick. Oh wow! Declary challenged Clay to a duel after this by way of satisfaction. Yeah, and he seems to have really been avoiding 
actually having this duel because he set the date of the duel mm-hmm. for Clay's wedding to Warfield. Oh, wow. And then when Clay obviously didn't turn up for this duel because he was busy getting married, right. said that he was a coward. Oh, no. Um, and so a few days after the wedding, Clay <laughs> returned to Lexington. Yeah, I'm, you just you don't say this. To vampire hunter extraordinaire Cassius Marcellus Clay. Clay. No, you do not. Um, so, Clay went to DeClary's hotel. Yeah. And DeClary, seemingly a complete idiot at this point, challenged him to a duel. Right. So, Clay, of course, is like, yes, that's exactly what I want. <laughs> I'm so angry at you right now. I'm fed up with your bullshit. We're going to have a duel right here, right now. Um, De- I don't care if your vampiric skin will burn in the sunlight. Decla- he's like, I'm not a vampire. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. You, no, no, you continue your riff. I'm, uh, I'm well into it. It's uh, good. Okay. Um, so Declary left for the evening. Clay mm-hmm. awaited the challenge. And the next day, Clay was informed that Declary had been so intimidated by Clay that he had gone upstairs and cut his wrists. What? And died. Oh my God. Uh, I can't riff on that. That's horrible. I know. Wow. Right? Okay. Right. Why was he so scared of him? I mean, obviously he has beaten him up with a hickory stick. Yes, but also, like, surely the worst thing that happens in a duel is that you die? Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't really make sense. It doesn't. Declary just seems a very strange man. And also, (sighs) maybe it's just that he was goading him so much and he was like, I really don't think anything will come of this. And then when... Clay's yeah. like, no, we're really going to have this duel. He's just like, what? No. I mean, I've got an I've got an alternate theory. Go on. So Declary was going to go ahead with a duel, but he didn't really want to. Yeah. So he tried to uh, get in touch with someone who knew Clay in order to I don't know just hold him back or like oh. stop him from turning up or anything like that. But this friend also went to the same university and was a vampire. Of course. And so decided that rather than do anything Declary wanted, because Declary had invited him inside, he just killed him and drank his blood, and that's why his wrists were slit. Of course. Yeah. That is definitely the yeah. answer. Vampires. Vampires. Thank God we have Cassius Marcellus Clay. Exactly. And Cassius Marcellus Clay slew all the vampires of Transylvania <laughs> University and now they call it Pennsylvania University because they wanted to stick with the general name and all the chance. They wanted to stop Cassius from turning up and just murdering students. <laughs> He's, well, he was just a bit pale. <laughs> but he died from a stake to the heart. Everyone's going to die from a stake to the heart, Cassius. What are you on? <laughs> But he was repelled when I shoved this clove of garlic into his mouth. <laughs> Cassius Clay managed to get himself elected to three terms in the Kentucky House of Representatives. Nice. Um, but he started to lose favour because he was a massive abolitionist. Right, And yeah. people really weren't in favour of abolition in Kentucky. Yeah. And this led to, in 1843, he survived an assassination attempt. Of course he did. Uh, this was by a man called Sam Brown, who was a hired gun. A man called Dr. Acula. <laughs> okay, I know you're going to cling on to this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sam Brown. Okay, Sam Brown. The scabbard of Clay's bowie knife was tipped with silver. <gasps> yes! Oh my god, because he had to kill the vampires. Of course, and also, you know, werewolves. Ooh, yeah. I mean, in some versions, vampires are vulnerable to silver as well. That's very true. Um, so, 
effectively, um, Sam Brown's bullet struck the scabbard of this Bowie knife. Oh my God. And embedded itself in the silver. So technically he was shot in the heart, in the chest, but it didn't quite make it. And so Clay tackled Brown. <laughs> With his Bowie knife, removed Brown's nose and one eye. Oh, my God. What the hell, Cassius? <laughs> and possibly an ear before throwing Brown over an embankment. Jeez. Okay. I mean, I I know there are, like, self-defense laws yeah. and that, but that sounds like, like malicious mutilation. It, like, that, that's extreme. The Kentucky courts agree with you. Um... <laughs> He wasn't even charged with assault. He was charged with mayhem. Oh, wow. Okay, that is the coolest thing to be charged with, though. Isn't it, though? It's like, oh, okay, so the way that you defended yourself, that wasn't even assault. That was mayhem. (laughs) It's like, we're kind of impressed, but also kind of freaked out. Mm -hmm. So we're going to charge you with something. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to make up a whole new thing for yeah. you to get charged with. I'm pretty sure, like, mayhem must be to charge mobs with or something. Yeah. Not, I mean, like, one guy. Right? Like, mayhem, like, causing an affray or something. But yeah. this is just one man who, like, mutilated another. Admittedly, the other had just tried to kill him. Mm. But, yeah, I feel like you once you've tackled him... Yeah. ...and presumably disarmed him, you don't need to chop him up and throw him over a bridge. <laughs> Or throw him over an embankment, sorry, yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know. Like, yeah, okay, so mayhem. he mayhem, <laughs> which really I think defines him as a person, the word okay. mayhem. So two years later, he began an anti-slavery newspaper. Nice. In Kentucky. <laughs> he didn't just like grab a random dude and carve the newspaper <laughs> into his back or something. No, but he did give this anti-slavery newspaper the best name for an oh anti-slavery newspaper. I'm so excited. True American. <gasps> New girl! New girl! <laughs> so for those who don't know the show New Girl, it's a good show. I really like it. Mm-hmm. They have a drinking game called True American, the rules of which are almost impossible to fathom from Mm -hmm. the show itself. It seems to be like a cross between a drinking game and the floor is made of lava and something to do with American history. Yeah, but it always looks like such a fun game. It does. So that is why we had that reaction just (laughs) then. Um, Other people who probably don't know just go, so that sounds like, you know, just quite typical American newsletter or something. But I love the idea of calling your anti-slavery newspaper true American, just being like, and all those pro-slavery people, they're not true Americans. Which is like the biggest insult you can say to an American. It really is, isn't it? It's so good. Um, Within a month, he had received death threats. Of course. Had to arm himself. And he's not armed already. He's got like four knives and a steak gun. <laughs> he's only got his Bowie knife before this. Granted, he is very good with the Bowie knife. Yeah, it right. will come back. <laughs> Actually, this is just a brief point. When we talk about duels yeah. in this, are we talking about guns? Yeah. We are. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. good, good, good. I'm not including all his duels, yeah. but I'm including all the best times that he had fights. Mm. Um, okay. So he had to arm himself with actual guns, not just the Bowie knife. And he regularly barricaded the armoured doors of his newspaper office for his protection. As well as this, he set up two four-pounder cannons inside the newspaper office. Oh my God, yes. Now... (laughs) (laughs) They look inside the cannons and they're just like, 
you haven't put cannonballs in here. No, I've put something far deadlier. You just pull out. This is just a crucifix. <laughs> what are you doing? It will destroy the undead. They're just people. They're not <laughs> vampires. You've left that university. No one there is left alive. I mean, he's still in Lexington, which is where Transylvania University is. <laughs> you don't know there could be vampires. In this case, I will fire across at them at such high speeds, it will go through their heart and take it through to the other side. So I read one account yeah. of this newspaper officer's defense system that said that he told his workers at the newspaper that if anything happened, they were to run away and he would go to the basement where he had stored dynamites. <laughs> And would personally light the charges. Well, okay, I thought initially you were going to say he told his workers to run away because he'll deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he will by blowing the whole thing up. But yeah, I was expecting a bit more like, you know, he goes down and gets into like an Iron Man suit or something and just goes and beats the shit out of everyone. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... We will continue on his insane rampages. Yeah, okay, um, but he was fully prepared oh, to blow himself up. Very much so. He was like, we're going to do this. I haven't seen that anywhere else apart from like one account, okay. which was like a little bit over the top. But yeah, it's, still, it's a cool account. So. It, it is, It is. from what we know of him, it is somewhat believable. Mm -hmm. um, so we do know that shortly after he founded True American in Lexington, in Lexington, sorry, um, a mob of about 60 men broke into his office and seized his printing equipment. Oh no! So then he set up a publication center in Cincinnati in Ohio because it was a center of abolitionists in a free state. Right. But he still lived in Kentucky. Right, okay. As I, I don't know much about America, but general, well, I like the geography, but mm. I do know it's massive. So I'm imagining this was a hell of a commute. I imagine so. <laughs> so then the Mexican-American war broke out and he became the captain of a company of Kentucky volunteers and went down to Mexico which at this point stretched all the way up to the north of Texas. Yes, yeah. Um, he and his men were almost immediately captured by the Mexicans. Oh, no. At this point, a captain managed to escape the prison. Right. And the guards were threatening to kill all the prisoners as retribution. Yeah. And when he heard of this, Clay was reported to have said, kill the officers, spare the soldiers, spare the men, they are innocent. I alone am responsible. <laughs> and some soldiers... You foul vampire! <laughs> You creature of darkness, take my blood. And they're like, we are Spanish, sir. We are quite tan. I do not care what manner of fiends you are. You will not have the blood of my man. And some soldiers report that he even opened his shirt to submit to the final blow, because that's the kind of man he is. But Draw blood directly from the source. My heart is here. <laughs> I'm assuming your fangs are long enough to pierce through, you creature of the night. <laughs> the guards were really impressed by this. <laughs> Even if he was chanting anti-vampire stuff, at them, they were very confused. Damn bloodsuckers. <laughs> um, so they spared the entire company. Oh, wow. Like, basically, okay. because they were like, Jesus, all right, like, calm down, man. <laughs> I imagine that's more it. It's less like, oh, he's so noble and amazing. It's more like, Jesus, this man is literally insane. <laughs> yeah. We don't know what he'll do if we actually hurt any of his men. 
I mean, he keeps making all these vampire suggestions. <laughs> like, maybe he'll come back from the dead. We don't want that. Is he a vampire? We're not sure. He talks a lot about them. An awful lot about them for someone who, you know, shouldn't really know what a vampire is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, the Mexican-American War is the reason why Texas became part of America. Mm. Um, Clay, despite having taken part in the Mexican-American War, opposed the annexation of Texas. Of course. Because he pointed out it would expand the the slave-owning states of the South. Right, yeah. And he didn't want there to be more slave-owning states because that's going to be bad for everyone. Mm, That makes sense, yeah. So, he returns from the war a hero. um, And in... 1849, he has been making some more anti-slavery speeches. Excellent. When he was approached by several brothers who were the sons of a local pro-slavery politician. (gasps) Oh, no. The ringleader was named Cyrus Turner. Yeah. They went after Clay. Of course they Um, did. They wanted to kill him. Mm -hmm. They took his bowie knife and stabbed him with it several times. Whoa, okay. Clay managed to get his knife back from them and proceeded to chase them away. <laughs> they just stab him a few times and he's like, holds out his hand. I do believe that is mine. Please return it to me, you foul undead. <laughs> I'm like, okay, right. Now it's my turn. You tagged me, now I'm going to tag you. Um. Well, yeah. Okay, yeah. so Cyrus was unlucky, the yeah. ringleader. Um. Clay... How many body parts did he lose before being thrown into a river? Well, no, no. He was just fatally stabbed. Oh, no. Afterwards, Clay promptly passed out before he was rescued and treated. (laughs) My blood is pouring out of me. Please collect it before any vampire comes along to lick it up. It will make them too powerful. I mean, maybe he just is a vampire. Maybe that's how he can survive <laughs> yeah. being stabbed and shot at and yeah. stuff. So, zooming forward in his life, mm-hmm. um, Lincoln appointed Clay to the post of minister to the Russian court at St. Petersburg on March the 28th, 1861. And Cassius was like, can't I be minister for mayhem? <laughs> And Lincoln was like, I just need to get rid of you right now. Like, <laughs> Russia. Why you sent him to Russia? <laughs> Russia is the furthest away you can go. <laughs> Please go. And I mean, like, considering the times we're thinking of, that's a pretty impressive journey to make. And it is, like, going to take a long while. So it does kind of sound like Lincoln was just like, I need to get this madman away. Yep. But the problem is that the Civil War started. Oh, no. <laughs> we need him back. And there were no federal troops in Washington at the time. Right. So obviously, Clay is like, I'm not going to Russia yet. (laughs) He organized a group of 300 volunteers to protect the White House and the US Naval Yard from a possible Confederate attack. Yeah. They became known as Cassius M. Clay's Washington Guards. Nice. Um, they rejected the initial name he suggested, which was Cassius M. Clay's Vampire Hunters. (laughs) And um, when the federal troops finally arrived, then Clay and his family left for Russia. But an important point of this is that Lincoln gave Clay a presentation Colt revolver in recognition. That's so cool. This becomes a big part of his exploits later on. Okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not someone who's a very big fan of guns at all, like in real life, but that is cool. It is cool. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so later on in life, eventually he returns from Russia, comes back to the White Hall. So he, he is that just like a sorry? Yeah. Is that just like a bit we're leaving out here because? He just kind of goes to Russia and comes back. Did he not really do anything, or are we just like... well? Okay, so he did some things in Russia. Namely, he seems to have fathered an illegitimate son oh, who yeah. apparently was very dashing mm. um, and very pale. He had two fangs. <laughs> I mean, he was pale and had dark hair, but that aside, <laughs> no, that's genuinely true. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> he, I, he. Okay, this is why he's killing all the vampires. It's to bring suspicion away from himself put it on other people me a vampire no of course not if i were a vampire why would i dedicate my life to killing them i love that as an idea and also it would mean that there's more blood for you exactly yeah quite nicely yeah um so uh, he also witnessed the emancipation of the serfs which is like a really big deal in uh, russian history yeah. um but he didn't he doesn't seem to have got into any interesting fights while he was over there that's a shame i know i feel like there could have been some good fights happening mm. um when he got back he divorced his first wife mm. um citing abandonment because he abandoned her <laughs> because she could no longer put up with all his extramarital affairs ah fair enough well vampires have that sexy charm you they know they do <laughs> um okay so the next bit is a bit weird <laughs> oh like the rest of this has been absolutely normal okay so we're going Okay, we're going to zoom ahead until he's 84 years old, right? Wow, There's okay. still some big fights coming up. At 84? Yeah. He's a vampire. Yeah, I know, he is. Um, okay, so... When he was 84 years old... Yeah. He married a 15-year-old orphan oh, from his estate. Oh, no. That's grotty. Which is grotty. Now... I've seen a couple of things in defense of his grottiness, so I'm going to lay those out. Right. The first one, which I personally don't believe, is that actually he... Okay, is that actually it was like a method of adoption that could work better than adoption at that time. Right, okay, I see. However, given that a contemporary newspaper talks about him laying a massive kiss on her when they get married, I think not. Uh, grot. The other thing, which I think is a bit more defensible, yeah. is that they were only married for two and a half years, after which she said, you know, I don't really want to be married anymore, I want to go home, Um, I don't, I'd like to get a divorce. So mm. he immediately put her in a buggy back to her home and gave her a divorce. Okay. Like, there was literally no struggle about that. Right. Why? So why... Hmm. Uh, was he just like, I've had my time of being a grotty old man and now that's over? Well, some people say he may have been insane at this point. Right, okay. <laughs> but I don't know where you draw the line in his yeah. insanity between previous times and this time. <laughs> her blood is just too fresh. She must leave. I require some more mature blood. Okay. What if? Okay. I know that I know that the vampire thing is a joke. But what if the reason why he married her was so that he had constant virginal <gasps> young lady blood? Oh no. And then she has an illicit affair and he's like, well, it's just not going to taste right anymore. <laughs> Go home. We vampires have some real toxic patriarchal ideas. Mm. <laughs> so 
yeah, the whole thing is a bit weird. Yeah. And yeah, and like I said, it's weird because he's that is weird. I mean, it, it's it's it can't we're not going to like defend any no. of that because it's just grotty. It is interesting that he literally was like, "Okay, so you want a divorce now that yeah. you're 17? Fine, whatever." Yeah. It's it's interesting but doesn't make it non-grot. No. No. <laughs> um so other people in Kentucky also thought this was grotty as all hell. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so the sheriff gathered a posse of six men to go to Whitehall and arrest him. Okay. Um, however, he had apparently been warned. Oh, no. <laughs> he stood waiting for the posse out on the piazza of the Whitehall, and he had one of his cannons with him. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have the right ammunition for it, but had loaded it with pieces of trace chains, horseshoe nails, and pieces of old horseshoes. <laughs> I believe I'm fighting elves now, and this is the way to defend myself against the fae folk. He also had his Winchester rifle, his knife strapped across his chest, and he had the cult that President Lincoln oh had presented God. to him. Dude, you're 84. I know. Just have a sit down and don't marry a 15-year-old. Um, he, he said to all the people who'd gathered yeah. um, that... He was really upset that um, there should ever be an occasion when Whitehall would not be a place of hospitality for all his friends, but they all seemed to be armed to the teeth um, and hostile. So he was bound further to conclude that the mission had to do with his young bride. Right. And then we have a little bit of direct speech. Ooh. Now, gentlemen, nobody, not even my worst enemies, ever accused Cassius Clay of ever detaining a woman against her will. And of course, I may, if I may be immodest, I can say this, that nobody can say they ever took a woman away from Cassius Clay either. <laughs> Then he said, Mrs. Clay is up at the window. You are quite at liberty to talk to her. If she wants to go with you instead of to remain with me, why, that is entirely all right. I shall be very glad to place her in your charge and you can take her. But if she doesn't want to go, then I can only urge you gentlemen in order to avoid the shedding of blood to depart and stand not on the order of your going. For she is my bride of darkness. And then they got into a shooting match. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so they didn't listen to him at all. No, they did not. <laughs> they were like, what's this crazy old vampire talking about? Um, so, apparently there were 16 bullet holes left in the front of his house. Wow, okay. Um, he did fire the cannon. Excellent. He knocked down the tree that the sheriff was behind. <laughs> My God, I bet you would wet yourself like anything if you were that sheriff. He he emptied his Winchester rifle and then charged down the steps with Lincoln's revolver in one hand and the knife in the other. (laughs) He's 84. He was 84. I... I, I don't really have any words other than just to reiterate that this man is a vampire. Clearly. The posse failed to arrest him. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the sheriff sent a letter to the judge he'd sent him in the first place, being like, seven men was not enough. <laughs> Send more men, plus garlic, plus I mean... crucifixes. <laughs> 
Okay, so following on from this, he lived together with his child bride for two and a half years and then she decided she wanted to go home and he was like, fine, whatever. I have turned you into a vampire, so now you may do as you wish. You may spread my dark gospel across the land. An interesting side note to this is that um, he did have several grown-up daughters who were all um, women's rights advocates. Wow, okay. I, this man is so confusing. I know, isn't he? <laughs> He's just batty. I had so much trouble thinking about how to talk about him. Yeah. Because just, I don't even know. It's just so weird to draw conclusions about what sort of person he was. And I know, like, there's a certain difficulty with that with history, where mm. you try and, like, so, sort of analyze people from a sort of modern perspective and think about how they were and what they thought and what they liked and everything like that. Cassius is just mad. I mean, isn't he? There's just nothing to latch on to. No. It's like one moment he's he's like uh, pro-abolition of slavery, mm-hmm. but then he's also like not doing it for the right reasons. And then he goes off to fight a war that he is like... Not sh- really that invested in, no, I guess. And, and, then, and then like actively opposes the results of that war. Yeah. <laughs> then has his daughters, but also marries a 15-year-old. And yep. it's like, what is this man? <laughs> I don't, I just, I just don't know. Okay. This was not his final fight. Okay, right. <laughs> he was 104. <laughs> he was 92. Oh my God. So, um, one night, mm-hmm. three men from the Kentucky River Cliffs who wanted to get some of the silverware he'd brought back from Russia, Mm. broke into his mansion. He was asleep at the time. Yeah. uh, (laughs) He slept, walked and fought them, waking up halfway through the fight with two men's heads in his hand. (laughs) What am I doing here? (laughs) He did wake up um, and he had Lincoln's revolver. Of course. And his Bowie knife. Of course. And he fought his last mortal combat. (gasps) Um, A... Um, like one of the young black men living on his land heard the commotion mm-hmm. and rode up to Richmond to report the violent goings on in the darkness in right. the house. So law officers race back mm-hmm. to find him sitting calmly before flickering embers in his library. <laughs> Close gunfire had left him with a bullet punctured bathrobe, scorched and smoking, and several body wounds, hardly more than skin deep, but bleeding slightly. <laughs> Two of the intruders were dead. <laughs> they were vampire hunters. I mean, they were vampires. <laughs> they wanted my blood. <laughs> I did not want theirs. <laughs> Please do not repeat such lies. And some months later, he took to his bed, suffering the exhaustions of old age. Uh, yeah. He was nearly 93. Yeah. Um, a few days before his death, which was on July 22nd, 1903, mm. he expressed deep chagrin that by all signs, his earthly departure was to be so distressingly prosaic. <laughs> I mean, you kind of expect that part of him wanted to die when those vampire hunters broke into his house. I mean, he did, right? Like, right, yeah. Like, imagine he absolutely wanted to go down fighting, but he's also not gonna like just let them kill him. No, he is going to go all out with it. 
But you feel like it would be so easy just to let yourself get killed in a duel at the age of 92. 92. Yeah. Nearly 93. Maybe this is it. So we, we've, we're, we're certain he's a vampire. Of course. At this point, he's kind of like, I've got to discard this identity because everyone is kind of going, how can that 90-year-old man kill so many people? Mm-hmm. So now he has to die, in quotes, in order <laughs> to start a new life somewhere else under a different name. Mm. Um, so, effectively, that's that's all I've got to say on Cassius Marcellus Clay. To be honest, I think he was pretty and he was an interesting person. Yeah, I think that you can't draw many moral conclusions from his life. No, but... you can barely draw any conclusions from his life. The man was insane. But I mean, <laughs> he's a man who stood by his morals. Yeah. Now, r- listeners might have been kind of annoyed by his name. Okay. Because there was another Cassius Marcellus Clay who was quite famous. Okay. Um, and you've heard of him. I have? Yes. Oh. Or at least I hope so. Um, <laughs> so... I probably haven't. <laughs> um, Cassius Marcellus Clay Jr., not yeah. a relative of his... Right. Um, ...was a very famous boxer... Oh, of course, yes. He converted to Islam. Mm. And when he did so, he dropped Cassius Clay as a slave name Mm. um, and became Muhammad Ali. Yes. Um, So Muhammad Ali talked briefly about Cassius Clay and said, like, effectively, he had been named after Cassius Marcellus Clay. Um, His father had also been named after Cassius Marcellus Clay. Um, And he said... Just because he was an abolitionist doesn't mean that he wasn't a white oppressor. Yeah. Which... I mean, he owned slaves. Yeah. We can get behind this, I think. Um, I suspect that whenever it comes to um, the whole changeover to the Nation of Islam, uh, people have got incredibly strong feelings about white people, which I can Mm. understand, if not agree with as a white person myself. Yeah. Um, But um, I think that it is probably an important thing to note. He was one of those abolitionists who maybe kind of had his cake and ate it too. Yeah, a little bit. He thought that um, it would improve the economy in any case to get rid of slavery, Mm. which he wasn't wrong. Yeah. He's one of these people who is like, they're very cool, but you don't really want them to be like your role model or anything like that. Yeah, guys, if you do get attacked by anybody because of your abolitionist viewpoints, please, please do not cut off their nose and gouge out their eyes. I mean, I wasn't really thinking about it in that sort of terms, but yes, I mean, that is true. (laughs) Yeah, I was just thinking, like, it's like those people who really, like, idolise Teddy Roosevelt, Mm. where it's like, okay, he was pretty cool in many ways, but also, you know not so just yeah just like keep it calm but i think that cassius marcellus clay is kind of a cool person to talk about oh yeah definitely um, he had an interesting life Mm. and you know sometimes it's just really good fun to read about people who got into a lot of fights yeah absolutely (laughs) i love those sorts of people it always makes me think of brian blessed oh my god Uh, yeah (laughs) even though i don't think he really would get into that many fights uh, despite being a boxer um, but you know yeah I know what you he's mean just, he's got that look where it's like you you would imagine that even at the 80s and he's in his 80s yep. he still could probably beat up a gang of armed intruders well he's only allowed to run five miles a day now because <laughs> oh, he yes. had to cut down his doctor told him 
We I, once saw Brian Blessed live and it was a wonderful experience. If you I ever can, do it. Yeah, absolutely. It is a hell of a time. <laughs> Anyways, but away from Brian Blessed. Yes. Um, thank you so much to, for listening to our inconclusive episode <laughs> about Cassius Marcellus Clay, Absolutely. Vampire Hunter. Yep. Or Vampire. <laughs> or Vampire. <laughs> you decide. You can follow us on Twitter at that time when four. Uh, if you give us a little mention there and leave your Twitter handle, we'll give you a shout out on the show. And if you have any suggestions for episodes you might want us to do, or if you want to, I don't know, just have a chat, you know, it's lonely times, uh, <laughs> you can email us at ttwpod at gmail.com. And thank you for Kevin McLeod for all of our music, including our theme song, Anachronist. And thank you for listening. See you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>